fellow griever. Today you have reached Season 3, Episode 2 of the Leftover Pieces Suicide Loss Conversations podcast. And I'm Melissa, your host. And today is the first rabbit hole episode of the season. If you're new to my podcast, every other week I release a shorter solo episode where I discuss things that have been on my mind or subjects pertaining to the suicide loss space. Today, I'm actually going to do the first or part one of a three-part series. I will release the other two parts sequentially in the coming weeks. Today, part one is called Community and Support. And so I'm going to talk specifically about those two things. They're intertwined, obviously. They're not exactly the same thing. Um, Some communities are not supportive, and some support is obviously not a community. There can be support that's individual or one-on-one. So while they are definitely, in my mind, linked, they are not um, necessarily connected or intertwined. So... I'm going to talk about this as part one, because for me, this is the most vital part of survival. And so I'm going to talk about community and support and intertwine them with the three progressions of early grief or the three tenets of early grief as I see them. And if you've listened to me at all for any length of time, you will know that I stay away from the word stages on purpose because one, grief isn't linear. It doesn't occur to us in stages. We go back and forth and in and out and up and down in our grief journey. But as I've experienced grief in the five and a half years since losing my son, Alex, to suicide, I feel like the early grief, the first three-ish years, I kind of experienced progressions kind of in a yearly fashion, there's a definite ish to that because there's no exact formula, but we are creatures of habit and we tend to run, you know, in calendar years based on anniversaries and important dates and holidays and all the things. So it's almost like we tend to go through things seasonally and in that manner. And I can almost put markers on these different progressions for myself And what I've come to call them are survival, hope, and healing. And so I am going to address community and support from the standpoint of those three progressions of early grief. So from the standpoint of survival, which for my purposes and what I use as that term is generally about the first year after suicide loss and you really are, you know, a lot of people will use terms like, you know, you're in shock and you really do spend a lot of time in shock or in a fog, a grief fog, and you really are surviving. It's your body and your brain's way of getting you through the unimaginable and the unbearable. So you go into this survival mode where even if you feel like you're functioning fairly well, sometimes you're still being cushioned, you're still being protected from taking too much in from taking more than you can bear in. And during this time, 
community and support matter so much because they're actually, I fully believe, vital to our survival, to actually getting to the next place. And because of that, well, let's just say, why does that happen? So let's kind of define what I call community and what I call support. And they can interact for sure. Community is going to be one or more people that you interact with on a somewhat social level. It doesn't have to be for fun. I'm not putting that in air quotes because fun is a relative concept, especially in early grief. There may be little to nothing that feels fun and that's normal. But that leads me to the place of why I'm talking about some of this because in survival, part of why we need a community of people to be around that have also served or are also surviving a similar loss to ours is because we need them to just get through it. We need them to be able to vent. We need them to be able to help us see, is this normal? Is how I'm feeling or acting or what I'm experiencing normal? And I put that in air quotes too. And I'm not a big fan of air quotes, but there ends up being a lot of things that there just isn't adequate words for. So we need this community for that reason. We also need to know what helps them. You know, once we get past that point of, are you feeling this? Is this normal? If you've ever experienced this, then we start saying, you know, what, what helps us get through? How do we survive this better? And the community can, can be that one or more people. And it often can be a support group. So here's where that comes in. It might also be somebody, just a, a group of people that you have at work or at your church or wherever it is you commune, which is the whole idea of community with other people. But because I find it to be very important that this community that I speak of are also grievers and not exclusively do they have to be suicide loss survivors of your specific loss, but I find it to be helpful if somewhere in there, there is some community or support that includes that. And so that community may or may not be a support group, but then you go to the support piece and support can look like several things. It can be your community. It can also be one-on-one. That's a lot in the beginning in the survival time, a lot of people turn to one-on-one counseling, one-on-one therapy, one-on-one coaching, things that would be with just you and one other person. And everybody had, you know, that might even be a clergy if that's something that speaks to you. But I'm, I'm getting that you're probably seeing how those two can be mutually exclusive, but they can also cross over as well. And that's how I feel like they fit in the beginning stages, which is, you know, the beginning progressions of your early grief of survival. Now, when you talk about when you start getting to that place of hope, So what does hope look like? Hope usually looks like when that first glimmer appears through the fog and everybody kind of knows it differently or sees it differently, but everybody looks back and at some point says, yeah, I kind of remember when that started to happen, when things started to soften a little bit, when maybe the edges weren't quite as sharp as they were initially, Um, when you actually 
didn't feel like you were just being buoyed up, but maybe you actually noticed there was an oar, then you could row. And maybe you actually noticed there was a horizon and a sunset or a sunrise that you wanted to row towards. I know that's an analogy, um, but it, it helps me to see things that way. Or maybe when the fog started to clear enough that you could see there were paths in front of you. And that really, to me, signifies hope when you start to feel that maybe you're going to survive and that you actually see that beyond survival, there might be something else. Now, you just have hope for something else. You don't actually know yet, right? And during that point, for me, community and support were integral for those same reasons because I needed this community to help hold my hand, to help know kind of the same things. Um, Is what I'm feeling normal? Is it okay to still feel sad? But is it also okay that if I'm laughing again sometimes? Is it okay that I'm starting to think that I might, you know, want to resume some of my activities that, you know, there might, there might be something here that I could do with this, you know, whether it's thinking that you want to write a book or whatever, but you're starting to to form ideas that are hopeful. And that community, like, walks us through that, that is our safe space at that point, that is our space to be able to express these things. And it gives us a place to actually, you know, practice and learn what we're going to do with this, how we're going to grow into the next part, into the how we're going to progress into the next part of grief, which is when you really move into healing. And for me, healing occurred after I kind of got into that acceptance phase. Acceptance isn't the same as liking, because you're never going to like this. You're never going to have wished for this. You're never going to be okay with this. But there does come an acceptance at some point. And for me, the healing is once you really begin to heal the trauma. So it isn't about getting over the loss because we're learning to live alongside of this. But it's it's when you're ready, excuse me as I stumble over my words, it's when you're ready to choose to live in the light of their life instead of the shadow of their death. So I'm going to say that again. Healing is a place where you are really ready to choose to live in the light of their life instead of the shadow of their death. It's when you not only can allow yourself to have fun, but you want to start to create memories and fun again. And that's where the community comes in and the support in this phase, because at that point, this community that you've built is a place that you can do legacy things for your child, where you can uh, experience activism together, meaning whether you join groups or you knit hearts or um, paint or participate in an online project that honors your children. It allows us to do these, have a community that understands, that wants to still hear about our loss, because I'm just going to be honest, because you know, that's who I am. When we get to this phase, when we're healing, unfortunately, a lot of people around us 
in our life, whether it's coworkers or whatever, they've long moved on. They honestly expect that we have in some way, and they don't mean it from a crass point. At this point, we get that, right? But that's why we need this community and, and support at this point, because it's going to be this community that understands we're going to bring our loved one with us through life. So writing books or creating legacy projects or participating in a charity or creating a charity, whatever it is you do, is a part of how we express our love on this planet in our life for someone who is still with us in our heart, but is no longer physically still here. And that's something that other grievers hold a unique space for understanding, and they they hold a unique capacity for supporting us in those ventures, for, for making us feel heard and seen, but also allowing and actually welcoming our loved one to still be heard and seen. And that's been like, you know, I'm at that place in life beyond the healing, in the healing, in the living, in this grief, living alongside my loss. And I find no better place than a community of other grievers to be able to talk about Alex, to be able to still grieve Alex and have it be okay. And it's just this these reasons, all these things that I've talked about, which is why community and support are two things that it's never too early to seek. And it's never too late to find. And I'll also say that we don't always find the right fit initially. Sometimes we outgrow certain spaces and need other ones. And that's all just part of life, really, isn't it? We don't always need the same things. So, you know, I give you permission to try things and if they fit, keep them. Kind of what I say at the beginning of a lot of my uh, and my other episodes, which is take that which serves you and leave the rest. Apply that to your own life and in your journey to find things that fit in your survival, hope and healing in this journey after suicide loss Give yourself permission to do it your own way. And so in talking about community and support today, I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention that the support community that I've created, which is still fairly new, is open and growing. And in my opinion, now would be a great time to get involved, to be able to help form this community in a way that serves you to be a part of it and get to influence what it looks like. I will tell you that this community and the way that I'm doing things in the leftover pieces, rebuilding you has been like a lot of things along this journey for me. I've allowed them to grow organically and I've listened very intently to what feels like the right thing to do. And when I initially started the idea of the leftover pieces, rebuilding you, which is the online space, I imagined because I was getting some certifications and coaching and things like that, that I was going to be doing more of what I talked about, which is like one-on-one coaching. And what I have come to find 
is that there doesn't seem to be much of a shortage for one-on-one type coaching, but there seems to be a deficit, a real need for community. And I just felt like I had to answer that call, to be honest with you. So I'm not exactly 100% sure how it's all going to play out. I have outlined a lot of it, and I think it makes sense. But I'm always open to input, and I would love to know what you need or what you would be looking for in a community of fellow grievers. So as the picking up the pieces, support spaces continue to grow, I can be definitely taking input and building it in a fashion that feels good for you. So for today, I'm going to wrap up this rabbit hole. But just know that part two which I'm calling tools and practices. So in other words, tools that I've gained and practices that I've put into place. And part three of this life after suicide, what has helped me the most is going to be titled time and self care. And all of those things are kind of Uh, self-explanatory on what they mean, but I will definitely be spending time uh, digging a little deeper, diving down the rabbit hole on each of those and looking forward to sharing that with you. And before I get off today, I want to make sure that I mention, because you know, I'm not very good at it, that if you listen to this podcast and it benefits you, if you wouldn't mind going to Apple Podcasts, scrolling to the bottom of this. Once you click on this podcast going down, I think you have to go past the episodes and it allows you to rate it. And if you would be so kind to also leave a review and that isn't because it does anything for me, it just works the algorithms and allows more suicide loss grievers to find this space and connect with other suicide loss survivors in our community. Each and every one of you and your loved one is in my thoughts and my heart. Until next time, talk soon.